The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, the land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America we truly do believe You're the backbone of our nation Thanks to you we're living free We're a quilt of many colors And we breathe red, white, and blue We're America, your country And America wants you It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. With Gary Ray, along with his co-host Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. Well, good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is September 17th, 2013. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, President and CEO for VeteranCaregiver.com. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Just fine, thank you. Good, good. Just want to remind her our prayers go out to the families of all the victims in yesterday's shooting in Washington. That was terrible, wasn't it? Amen to that. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we get to our guests, uh, we were going to take a couple of minutes to provide an update on our veteran check, but it looks like they might be a little bit out of the area again. I know they're getting very close to Waterloo. Uh, it's been about 18 days, so um, and I knew that um, uh, Anthony. Did you hear about Anthony? Go on on the line and and uh, see him blow up his tennis shoes. Uh, no, I missed that. <laughs> yes, it's a video. <laughs> you put it in the grass, you see him, and all of a sudden you see the explosion. <laughs> I'm guessing he's on his second pair of shoes. I, uh, I guess so. I mean, after 18 days of walking, uh, I don't know. It's kind of. We still have to bring in the sponsor. Today's Veteran Trek update is brought to you by the First Class Merchant Services. If you don't have First Class Merchant Services for your business, you're paying too much. And it looks like. They won't be able to make it with us today. And like I mentioned, uh, even on their uh, their GPS, it's not really working. It's like three days behind, so I know they're very, very close to Waterloo. So, uh, again, you can always help support them, wish them luck, and support them. You can actually do this on your phone. You can uh, actually type in the, the, what is it, the word donate and send it to 80464, and 100% of that donation will go right to dryhooch.org. Okay, so anyway, our show today 
is actually called The Survivor Story. Linda, you know, I went to one of the websites, one of our guest websites, and I saw this very powerful message. Every life has value and must be preserved, nurtured, and celebrated to its greatest potential. I really like that. I'm going to frame it and put it in a new dry hooch uh, coffee shop when it opens. I think that's very valuable. I, I think that most of our audience knows that we have been focusing our broadcast this month on suicide prevention and also the courage and the value of reaching out for help at times of crisis. We are so honored today. We have two guests this morning. Colonel Jack Mosher is the Chief of Staff of the National Guard in the state of Maine. He's a bit accomplished. He's airborne ranger, air assault, mountain warfare, and nuclear target analysis qualified while holding two master's degrees and numerous prestigious awards and medals. Jack will share his own survivor story and also his passion to help others understand that suicide is never the right answer and that hope and help exist. Our second guest is Dr. Mary Bartlett, who is a licensed professional counselor and consultant for resilience, risk reduction, and suicide prevention, and has served on many state and Department of Defense suicide prevention and resilient task forces and councils. In her clinical practice, she emphasizes the holistic approach to wellness and is also a qualified master resilience trainer. Frankly, together today, Jack and Mary will talk candidly about the critical importance of resiliency and personal wellness in preventing suicide. We welcome you both to the American Heroes Network. Welcome. Thanks for having us. We appreciate being here. It's a real pleasure. All right. All right. Jack, you know, it's interesting. In talking with you prior to today's show, I think it was yesterday, I was struck by your strong willingness to share your story. As an officer... Your story may surprise some of our audience, which is why it makes it especially valuable since so many do not reach out. So if you don't mind, let's begin with your story. Well, thanks, Linda. And again, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. And I'd like to say hello to all my fellow uh, veterans and service members out there today. And, and to be honest with you, it's not something that I'm, that I'm comfortable talking about even, even now. It's something that I, that I share because I think it has great value to other people and uh, maybe a little bit of therapy for myself as well on that. But um, my story is not certainly remarkable in any way. It's, it's a story that unfortunately has been played out you know, thousands and thousands of times in our current generation of veterans and, of course, past generations as well. And I, you know, growing up here in the great state of Maine, had a background like a lot of our veterans. I was an athlete in high school. I grew up in the country. My dad and mom were wonderful parents and um, class president of my class, kind of a, you know, achievement-oriented person, went to University of Maine, the long blue line, graduated from uh, uh, University of Maine and... Um, in ROTC, became an officer, an infantry officer, and went off and did my my standard schooling all the way through uh, war college um, for for that profession, the profession of arms. That, of course, is a hallowed profession. Um, mm-hmm. The only two things I've ever wanted to be my whole life was a soldier and a teacher. And unfortunately, I've been able to do both of those. Um, uh, got married uh, to a wonderful woman, had two beautiful children, uh, a boy, two boys. And, uh, of course, when um, 9-11 occurred, um, I wanted to go and was fortunate enough to be picked up for deployment uh, with P-51 
people that I had known most of my adult life, other members of the National Guard. It was a group called Task Force Mountain, when in the 2003 and four, very early in the war, um, before a lot of services, by the way, had been put in place. And to be honest with you, it, it was a, it was an absolutely spectacular experience. It was, it was very difficult, um, as all you know, uh, combat war type situations are. But it was the complete affirmation of what I always hoped that I was as a, as an infantry officer, uh, as a professional soldier. And again, to be surrounded by other soldiers and officers that I had known most of my adult life was 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 really amazing. And um, and it was it was it was just really incredible the the experience of it all again difficult uh, and i certainly did miss my my family while i was deployed um but it was the coming home part that really really um knocked me on my ass if, if you'll <laughs> forgive the vernacular <laughs> and uh and i think for a lot of our, our our veterans out there that the homecoming is not always in fact probably rarely is that rockwellian image of the soldier coming home and dropping his his duffel bag at the steps of his house and his you know beautiful wife running out or, or spouse running out to you know uh, congratulate them kids running to go in the rest of your life goes on as though nothing ever happened mm. and and that's certainly not what happened to me when I got back mm-hmm. um, you know uh, again I, I had probably unrealistic and uh, expectations of my return where I did want you know that coming back and um, and what what happened was com- the complete opposite of that. You know, within two years of my return to to the great state of Maine, and again having had this life changing experience, you know, a part of me um, found myself in a completely different situation than I ever expected to be in as a forty year old, you know, lieutenant colonel at that time, soon to be promoted to full colonel, um, where I was literally divorced, homeless. A single father of a five and seven year old had lost all of my earnings, all of my income, completely penniless, and, and frankly, yeah. living in my parents' basement with my two children in the same room that I had, you know, lived in in high school. I, I just oh couldn't believe that that had happened to me, and how that happened, and what I what I was forced to kind of address is the subject of my story, really. All right. All right. Well, if we could, everyone hold that thought. We just had Anthony uh, call in, so we're going to go ahead and talk to him um, just before we go on break. And when we come back from break, we'll continue on with uh, Colonel's story, okay? All right. Oh, perfect. Great. All right. Good, Anthony, are you, are you there? Good morning, Gary. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Tom and I are just coming off a two-day break to rest our feet so they feel... Uh, exponentially better right now <laughs> is that because you blew up your other tennis <laughs> uh yeah so you know about that yeah um <laughs> yes yeah they they deserve to be blown up actually uh now we've got another issue my my phone that we were using for gps broke yesterday so a, a veteran uh saw that i'd blown my shoes up so he messaged us and asked me if i was going to blow my phone up too and i said no i don't think so <laughs> your GPS map, uh, I don't think, is working, but you're somewhere close to Waterloo, aren't you? Uh, no, we'll actually be in Waterloo tomorrow. Right now, Tom and I are in between Manchester and Winthrop, Iowa. Um, yeah. We're walking to Independence today. All right. And then um, All right. a coworker at Dry Hooch, um, 
has in-laws uh, nearby, and they're going to let us spend the night at their home tonight. Tomorrow we'll walk to Waterloo, and then we, uh, we'll start walking towards Marshalltown and then ultimately Des Moines on our way west through Iowa. All right. How's the equipment holding out? Uh, equipment is good. We're, we're in a bit of a cooler spell right now in Iowa, so um, we just had to kind of swap some stuff up a little bit. But supposed to rain today, tomorrow, and the next day, and tomorrow and the next day are supposed to be back up in the 80s with rain. So it'll be a bit of a new set of circumstances. We haven't had to deal with much rain yet. We've kind of lucked out. But cooler temps today, or at least right now while it's dry, make for uh, good walking weather. All right. Anything uh, different happen in the last couple of days or last week? Um, well, not, when when you say different, I don't mean that different is in uh, bad, but we were hosted by uh, or greeted by this church when we came into Manchester, and the pastor also doubles as an Abe Lincoln uh, actor. <laughs> so when we came in... That's a combo. Um <laughs> Well, it was a joke between Tom and I as we were walking that day because we knew that we were going to be greeted by the mayor and stuff. And I was just like, what if the mayor is there in, like, a top hat and an old black coat with, like, the split tails in the back and all this stuff? And we kind of had a laugh. And as we walk up, we see this very tall, slender man in a tall stovepipe hat with a split-tailed black coat. And we're like, there is no way this is actually happening. Unbelievable. Uh, so So that was a little different, but it was... You know, they were really nice people. They had a picnic for us and uh, raised a little bit of money for Dry Hoots while we were doing it. All right. And donations going good then, huh? Uh, yeah, I think um, Tom and I have been recognized every day that we've been on the road. Um, right. And people stop and give us five bucks and say, like, buy yourself a Gatorade or something like that. And then other people stop and give us checks. Uh, the other day, we were in Dyersville by the Field of Dreams and American Legions, uh, I forget the exact name, but it was like um, this Irish, yeah, the Order of the Ancient Hibernians, I think, like an Irish group they donated to Dry Hooch, um, a Little League um, uh, car dealership in Dyersville, Victory Ford, all of that. And then the people that we've met along the way and the families that have hosted us have just been tremendously gracious um, with the accommodations and enthusiasm that they've had for what Tom and I are doing. All right. All right. Well, Anthony, we appreciate uh, what Anthony, yourself, and Tom is doing. And just remember, you can tell them to donate right from their cell phone. Uh, just oh, yeah. text the word donate to 80464, and 100% of that donation goes right to Dry Hooch. Okay? Absolutely. So and we we'll appreciate be talk- everything you Go guys ahead. are doing and helping us get the word out. Yes. Great. We appreciate your time. Uh, good luck in the next week, and we'll be talking to you on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Thanks. Thanks. Take All right. Care. Thank you. My name is Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, and our guest, Colonel Jack Moser and Mary Bartlett, Dr. Mary Bartlett. We're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you ready for another meeting? Do you leave wondering if you've made any progress or was it just another organizational reorganization? 
Are you looking for a way to change that and make progress? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel every week for educational leadership. What else is possible? With hosts Mary Maduna and Margaret Ruff. If you're ready to energize your leadership and create new possibilities, join us for a chance to look through a different lens and gain a new perspective every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. And uh, Linda, you're going to be leading back into uh, the rest of Jack's story. I'd, I'd really love to. Uh, where we left off was Jack was describing he was living in his parents' basement and had, uh, was looking after two young boys. And Jack, can you take it from there well, as well, yes, to what was the next I, phase of your journey? Yeah, it was, you know, we left off with me essentially being the, you know, the George Costanza of the, the main Army National Guard. <laughs> Not where I expected to be as a 40-year-old dad living in my, in my parents' basement. It was a very sad situation, one of those life-changing moments. And I remember laying there at 3 in the morning staring at my football trophies kind of on the wall. And, um, you know, each of my son's heads on each shoulder just saying, you know, w- you know, what are you going to do now, Ranger? What are you going to do? You know, that type of thing. And uh, and uh, realizing that I had to make some very difficult choices. I mean, it was a very dark, dark moment. Again, something that I really had not ever anticipated being in that situation in my life. I mean, uh, I'd worked really hard, had always been responsible with my money, uh, tried to take care of other people. And, and surely I found myself in this somewhat desperate situation. And, uh, the, you know, because the first thing I wanted to do was to go back to Afghanistan, you know, where, where things essentially made sense to me, that singularity of purpose. I missed my, my fellow soldiers tremendously, you know, and not really knowing how to deal with being a single parent where I had been a good dad up to that point, but had never had to do it by myself and, uh, realized that I would have to make some very important choices and, uh. And that that's kind of where I had this transformational moment. And I can I can tell you, you know, when we talk about suicide as as really what is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, mm-hmm. as dark as things seemed then, it was very embarrassing for me. It was very uh, you know disempowering to have to to try to explain. Here I was, the director of operations of the main guard. I was being promoted as in my final year of the war college, but felt that I was a complete and total failure when it had come to, to my, my personal life. And, 
You know, I, I, I believe that all problems are, are by nature temporary. You can solve almost anything in your life, really anything. So to being able to not quit, and at that point, I would like to say, it wasn't a noble decision on my point, on my part. Uh, it, it, w- it was a survival situation where I could not leave my boys to either go back to Afghanistan or just not be there. So, uh, very difficult situation, as you can tell, um, when it came to that. And I decided that I would stay, not, not run back to Afghanistan, not redeploy again, stay there be a responsible father and work my way out of the situation that I found myself in. And that took a lot of effort and a lot of help from a lot of people to be able to do that because the military, you know, ranger school doesn't teach you how to backpack backpacks. It doesn't teach you how to do parent teacher conferences. Some of the things that would seem to be the easiest were very difficult for me. And I would attach my, my sense of self-worth on whether or not my son's shirt was on straight that day or not, regardless of the other successes that I'd had throughout the, the course of the day. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, the sense of balance and perspective is very skewed when you're in that type of a desperate situation. That's why it's very important for you to reach out and get perspectives from other people, which is what I thankfully did. It was very hard for me to do that. Mary, did you want to add to that at all? Um, I also want to say thanks again for having me on. I'm really honored to participate. And um, in response to what you just shared, what strikes me is that everyone has a story. And even though I've been listening to the stories for 16 years and working with people um, who've reached that really dark place, and many of them, you know, um, gone beyond that, such as such as you, it just really strikes me, and I'm deeply touched every mm-hmm. time because the stories are so powerful and they're emotional, and this is what really does feed into the thoughts of suicide and the thoughts of choosing to live versus die. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a it's a good point. I mean. I can honestly say that, you know, as far as, you know, true thoughts of actually, you know, completing a suicide in my own case, I I never went to that threshold, but I could very clearly see a person who didn't have the wonderful parents that I did, the friends that surrounded me at the time, excuse me, that surrounded me at the time, not having those, you know, lines in the water, those life preservers, how that could, you know, in, in almost a nanosecond become a course of action, be, become an option if you didn't have that type of connectivity to other people, if you didn't reach out to other people, which is what I, what I had done. I, I knew that I would have to make myself well to be resilient enough to get through the adversity that was, in, that was facing me in my life, unplanned, that I really had not anticipated again within two years of what was supposed to be a wonderful homecoming. And it, and it had not been that way at all. Can I can I say I think that's what makes your story even more important, Jack? Is that um, it was at the juncture where it was just a possibility. It was something. I think that's the thing that we I want to communicate. And I want people to understand is it, it's we want people to think about this and what all you know their options for moving forward rather than backward when it's just a passing thought rather than when you are disconnected and it becomes a better uh, you know what some people would think is their better option. So I think your story is very compelling. And, and one that really needs to be heard because you're talking about I was leaning down that road I was leaning into it 
But that's not what I chose, and I didn't have a plan. But I think so many people get scared just of the very thought that that is a possibility. And to get, I think that's the message, is to get people to understand that you might have that passing thought. That's the time to reach out and start discussing it, um, especially if you're disconnected. And fortunately, you had some strong connections. I, I did, and that, as that I brings, said. Go, go ahead, Lynn. No, I, it just brings up the obvious question um, as I'm listening. Um, who and what? Who did you decide to reach out to, and and how did that go? Well, I, I can tell you. I mean, again, there, there was nothing particularly noble in my decision making. And you know, let's say, yeah, I decided to, to to soldier on and be a good dad and all of this. Well, it, it was somewhat reluctantly that I found myself at, at a counselor's office, and uh, you know, there's, there were several events that had occurred that were just completely out of my character. For one thing, I was, I was very angry. I, was, I could not mm-hmm. sleep. Um, again, uh, incredibly self-critical of, of the things that I was not doing well. Again, I, I could do really well in my job. I'd go to work every day, score all kinds of three-pointers, come home and, and be you know, emotionally destroyed when sure. I realized I'd missed a dentist appointment with my son that I scheduled a month ago, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So these being out of my character, um, you know, and a couple of other things that had happened that just really said, okay, Jack, I think maybe you might want to go talk to somebody, you know. <laughs> and, and I did. I went and saw a, a, one of our behavioral health um, clinicians in the main Army National Guard, uh, whose name was Gretchen. She wouldn't mind me using her name, smartest woman I've ever met, uh, you know, PhD, and just uh, how hard it was for me to stare at the phone, pick it up, even though I knew her through our professional contacts, and dial her number. It's, oh, hey, Jack, how you doing? I'm like, well, Gretchen, not that well. I'd like to make an appointment with you. And was, for some reason, that was a really hard thing to do. You know, the kind of relinquishing the fact that I had everything in control, knew exactly what I was doing, that I could solve my problems myself, I could do all these incredible things, but I couldn't get to sleep at night. And I couldn't, uh, couldn't you know, give up some of the darkness that was surrounding me at the time. And I remember going to her door, which, you know, very, again, very, very difficult to do, and uh, standing outside of her door, which I'd been to a hundred times before in other business, and finally, you know knocking on the door and her saying, hi, Jack, come on in, you know. I remember above her door, she had this carved wooden sign and the sign read very simply, don't believe everything you think, which is a very difficult Mm. concept for army officers and I think military people in general because the idea that we wouldn't have an entire complete grasp of what's going on in our own heads is an unthinkable, you know, circumstance. We would have perfect cognitive, metacognitive understanding of ourselves, which, of course, I did not, or I wouldn't have been there in the first place. And I realized that a lot of things that I was thinking were completely irrational thoughts, again, completely out of perspective, and she helped me realign that into a sense of reality. And when I sat down, you know, it was like a counselor's office. You, you, you walk in the counselor's office, just kind of get the yard sale furniture in there, tons of books all over the walls, coffee table. And, of course, there's a tissue box sitting in the middle of the coffee table, which you avoid like an Italian tank mine, you know. <laughs> What's that <laughs> doing there? <laughs> but, you know, she, and she, and what, she, what she helped me understand <laughs> is... Uh, you know, good what, visual. What, what's a tissue box for anyway, Gretchen? You know, what are you, cold? <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the point of it is, you know, 
she took out a large easel and drew my brain on it. She said, this is your brain when you're deployed, and this is what happens. This is hypervigilance. This is all these different factors. And by going and just listening to her and what the reintegration process looks like, how you desensitize, what your triggers are. One of the things that used to bother me tremendously was stopping in traffic, for example, because the, the, you know, the, the, the procedure at the time, if you were in theater and in combat, is you mm-hmm. never sat in a parked vehicle or stopped vehicle. You'd always dismount and you know, assume a covered and concealed position. So I wasn't even thinking about it necessarily, but I would be sitting at a stoplight getting more and more and more tense, even though it was only a few seconds. There's just one of those little tiny triggers. There's a benign thing. It's a, it's a, you know, a, a stoplight in Waterville, Maine. But my, I had been conditioned, you know, for, for over a year to, 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 you know, to react in a certain way to that. She helped me understand what some of those triggers were. And that understanding brought great comfort to me and knowing what, that I wasn't crazy, first of all, that I wasn't right. being irrational, and, and that there's reasons why I was feeling the way I did. More importantly, what to do when I felt that way. Right. That, that was a tremendous value to me. All right. If everybody could hold that thought, we're going to take a short break. And Mary, no, the break's not long enough to get butter pecan custard. Uh, <laughs> I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, and our guest, Colonel Moser, and Dr. Mary Bartlett. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're uh, just listening to uh, Jack tell a story. Go ahead, Jack. Uh, you can finish up what, what you were talking about. 
Yeah, well, we left off at sitting in Gretchen's office and, and again, getting real insight as to what was going on in my head mm-hmm. as my as my new normal in my life. And I wanted to make the point about the value of clinical uh help for those who need it because you know i had a great battle buddy one of my best friends um who was a great running partner for me we did a lot of uh, long distance running together had had also gotten divorced and gone through a difficult time as well had a great mom and dad i was surrounded by people who loved me but could not help me because they lacked the clinical training and helping me have real insight into what my behavioral health issues were and I can't emphasize enough, again, the value of picking up the phone and making an appointment and going in. I had a really good friend tell me once, four visits, Jack, will change your life in a positive way. Commit to four visits. And I did. I said, okay, you know, I'll go and do that. And that's why I made my appointment with, with Gretchen. There's a person who, who knew me well enough to see that despite the, the incredible facade I was putting up, um, was not doing very well. And, and, and that, that was incredibly valuable to me. Again, the clinical, you know, trained um, psychologist or a licensed clinical social worker made a huge difference for me in helping me understand why I was feeling the way that I was. And, and it sounds like in addition to the, the clinical side of it, was it just four visits then that you had? I, no, I, I would. I went for four visits again, which were incredibly valuable to me. And just you know, kind of, she gave me a little bit of homework to do. So she called homework. And these are things that I had mm-hmm. to work on, and, and we go back and talk about that. After four visits, I would go back and just see her, maybe once every six months, just to follow up on what had what had been going on. But it was transformational for me to understand why it was that I felt like that, and, and again, more importantly, what to do when I felt that way and how to work my own way, so to speak, out of those types of negative thought patterns, um, you know, somewhat paranoia when it comes to being, being as self-conscious as I was. And then, you know, how to, how to have, you know, balance between what I, I term my, my spiritual, emotional, psychological, and, psychological and, and, and physical wellness, which I view as the four domains of, of, of resilience. Mm-hmm. So, and and now that you've segued into resilience, that was one of the questions I had for you is, what does resilience mean to you? Aside from the four domains, just as on a global kind of definition, what is, because that's exactly what happened is you were, you you mentioned transforming, transitional, and life-changing, and then the domains. Yeah, well, to me, resilience is is very simple. It's it's, it's a person's ability to overcome the adversity that we all face in our lives. Some some people are very good at being resilient people, given the challenges that that we all face. Others need a little bit more help doing that, either because of the weight of that challenge or... um, they just they haven't really had to deal with it up to the, up to that point. I think uh, you know resilience is 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 the acceptance that life will sometimes be difficult. That that's that's living. That's being an adult. That's like being a normal person. But how you deal with it and how well you can rebound to, to life changes and and move on and be a responsible dad, being a good soldier, being a good worker, being a good friend uh, from a position of strength. You know, being that strong person and self-responsible for your own health is, is an important part of resilience. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Now, Jack, created, it looks like you created what they call the One Life Warrior. I, I, I've uh, checked out the website, as you already know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, was pretty, it's a pretty, uh, pretty great site. And uh, as far as how did it impact, how did that program impact uh, you know, the work you did with the Army National Guard? Well, what, what happened is I, I never liked the image of our veterans being you know, helpless, victims laying in the fetal position on their bathroom floors, to be honest with you. I wanted to present a powerful image of what it means to embrace your life, to live unapologetically and with purpose, you know, uh, again, from a warrior perspective, never never quitting, never giving up, always seeking to, to improve the quality of your life regardless of the, the obstacles that, that were thrown in front of you. So the, the One Life Warrior campaign is a 10-year campaign that you can look at at onelifewarrior.org, um, which uses marathon running as a metaphor for life. You get up in the morning, you put your shoes on, and you live your life. And we all face marathons of one kind or of another, and, and as long as you don't quit, you can get through a marathon every day if you have to. Um, in 2010, my, my good friend, um, who was one of my uh, running running buddies, um, and I ran 21 marathons in 21 days from Maine down to Arlington National uh, Cemetery to prove that you can get up in the morning and together run a marathon every single day, symbolic of the 21-year run salute and to our, to our veterans and being resilient enough to get up every morning, face whatever that marathon is that, that people face, getting through it and, and doing it in a purposeful and meaningful way. Again, from a position of strength, not as a victim, not as a, as a weak person, but saying, yeah, I'm going to kick this thing in the ass and get through it and live another day tomorrow, never giving up. Uh, now, that phenomenal. could not have come to you immediately. How did you build no. into deciding that physical wellness, spiritual wellness, um, all of those four pillars that you spoke of earlier came together in in this uh, One Life Warrior program. Yes, they did. And when I was living in my when I was living in my parents' basement, I, I knew that there were there was going to. I was such a, I was just a, it was a train wreck. I was not a healthy person. I still hadn't recovered from my deployment physically. I was emotionally all over the place. So I said, I'm going to start with my spirituality, you know, as a cornerstone. When I talk about spirituality, really what I'm talking about is the sense of peace that we all need in our lives. That, that momentary pause of stillness in the course of our day where we can have reflection and uh, introspection as, as to what's going on around us and how, how we feel about it. The second part of that was the emotional aspect, which was surrounding yourself with positive, uplifting, non-toxic people, people who contribute to a positive life view. I'm, I'm sorry to say that in, in many cases I had to, and I know it sounds callous, but I had to discard people from my life who were just not helping me as a, a new single dad and, and a redeployed soldier as far as having that positive view. We've already talked about this, the psychological part of it. That was me going and seeing Gretchen and getting my head mm-hmm. on straight um, and understanding why I was feeling the way I was and what to do about it and being responsible for my own behavioral health. But the, the fourth part of it is your physical wellness. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be engaged in activities that are, are positive and contributory to your overall wellness 
uh, I chose running. It can be fly fishing. It can be walking. It can be whatever you want to do as long as you're, it's a positive something, something that you enjoy. So those four cornerstones are what I fixated on and working my way out of that, that darkness that was very rapidly encroaching into my life and, and frankly threatening to ruin it. You know, Mary, I, I think you can address this as well as Jack can. I'm, I'm curious as to how your boys reacted as you went both down or did you put the face on for them? And as you came back, did that uh, improve, increase, enhance your relationship with your children? Because children serve too. Yes, they do. Uh, you, you talk about your children, that's your mortality written on the wall, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were, they were so young that I tried very hard to, to mask all of this from them. You know, obviously they, they went through some massive life changes of their own, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the departure of their mom from, from their life, you know, because of her issues at the time. And, um, you know, a lot of turbulence that, that came out of that. But I tried uh, very hard to stabilize and support them and keep this to myself so it was somewhat transparent to them that they can tell you, you know, anything you want to know about behavioral health because they, <clears throat> they get to see all of that firsthand. But they did get to see their dad running, taking care of himself, being a good father, doing the best I could to, to support them. You know, while, you know, after they'd gone to bed, I'm sitting there with my face in my hands trying to figure out how to do the next day, you know, just trying to get mm. the laundry done, the dishes done, their backpacks packed, lunches made, appointments set up. You know, the next moment they popped out of bed, everything was, you know, as stable as possible for them. Mm. And, I, and I'm really glad you brought up the whole issue of children and resilience because uh, they are oftentimes the, the, the caregivers and the families, the ones that they are, are, are hidden, and we don't get as much conversation about them, so I'm really glad you led into it. And one other thing I just want to point out in terms of families and children and resilience and the whole four pillars is it, really to make this clear that where you, Jack, you were explaining that all those domains in your life, you had reached a place where they all needed to be strengthened. And again, to really drive home the message that it's when a person might recognize that they're really decreasing stamina in one domain, that, but they might still be pretty well fortified in the others. That's when we want them to reach out. So spiritually and physically, you know, someone can really control their physical well-being, uh, but as Jack pointed out, their emotional psychological uh, well-being is not that good. So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure people understand, I don't want them to only reach out when they've, when all four parts or aspects of their wholeness are at a deficit, but rather to recognize when they're getting off balance in one of those areas and say, hey, I need to start paying attention to this um, and then recognize how their off balance, them being off balance, really does impact those around them, like their children um, and their spouses and their parents. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jack. No, I was just going to say that the, the, really the, the four corners of a compass, they have to be balanced to work together. And if I'm not happy, if I'm stressed out, if I'm, you know, in in a cycle of negative thought, it's generally speaking because there's some aspect of that that's Mm -hmm. not only not as strong as it needs to be, but that's not in balance with the others. You have to have the balance of the four. Yeah. All right. Jack, why don't you give your website one more time? It's uh, it's www.onelifewarrior.com. 
org, all spelt out. And you can also go to Resiliency Run on Facebook and see all of these different runs that we've done in Panama, Washington, all over the place, which are advocacy marathons. Um, and I'd really appreciate that people would go to and like that page. It's important to all, all of our people that, that tune into that, including our upcoming run in uh, Columbia, Medellin, Columbia. So that's right. our Resiliency Run on Facebook or uh, OneLifeWarrior.org. All right. Mary, do you have a website? Uh, yeah, mine is real ingenious. It's uh, www.drmarybartlett.com. <laughs> that's <laughs> tough. Uh, I should have thought wait, that. Wait, wait. Let me write that down. I had to make it easy so I'd remember it when I was telling people. But it's, it's D-R-M-A-R-Y and then Bartlett. So drmarybartlett.com. Oh, and, okay. and they can get a list of resources uh, on one of the links there. So they don't even need to contact me. They can just you know, get a plethora of resources that might help them. All right. Great. Fantastic. We're going to take a short break. I'm Gary Ray along with my co-host Linda Crater and our guest Dr. Mary Bartlett and Colonel Mosher. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with uh, Dr. Mary uh, Barlett. Bartlett. <laughs> and also uh, Colonel Moser. And Mary, you want to continue this conversation? 
Yes, and, and I think a nice segue for us to move into is the whole concept of where do we go from here, because a lot of what you've alluded to, Jack, in your discussion is a culture shift, you know, that there was this uh, stigma of reaching, I loved your description of the tissue box, that it was like a tank we were trying to avoid, you know, we cannot get emotional, and, and that's so important, um, and in terms of my thinking and my, the work that I do and training leadership and helping them to think about resilience moving forward in a different out-of-the-box kind of way rather than just a standard program or class, I think it's real important for, I would love to hear your perspective in terms of where do we go from here? Where do we take this discussion? But one of the points I, I want to just uh, capture here, and, I, and you touched on it, is for me, the discussion of where do we go from here is to be inclusive of the children and the families. When we talk about building resilience, um, so much time goes into, and, and, and effort and energy and money, as it should, into the warriors and the veterans and the service members, but we really have to tie in and bring find ways, and it's a big, it's a big task to mm-hmm. find ways to bring the family and the children in, but in terms of where do we go from here, that's one of the things that I, I know is real critical, but from your perspective, Jack, uh, where do we need to go from here, given your journey and those who have experienced similar uh, circumstances? Well, well, one of the reasons that I founded um, the One Life Warrior campaign in the first place, and again, it was, it, was, it was over five years ago now, is that nobody was talking about it. We had this, you know... Uh, Elevated suicide rate in the uh, in the military. Mm-hmm. We were frankly losing more people um, to suicide than we were combat casualties. But nobody really wanted to talk about it, and it was somewhat controversial. Uh, you know, at the time, you know, this this colonel talking about suicide prevention and resiliency, and, I, and there were other people that were talking about it too. So we've come a long way since then. Um, and you talk about families, Mary. I mean, the new Ready and Resilient campaign that the military is embarking upon really is a comprehensive of soldier and family fitness yep. as a ready and resilient force. So they've mm-hmm, included right. families specifically in their new campaign, right. which I thought was, was brilliant and, and very yes. necessary. But to answer your question specifically, uh, you know, we need to work towards a, a culture that, that reduces uh, what is really a national bias against behavioral health and, and the issues of mental illness. America in general does not embrace the realities associated with behavioral health treatment, um, going to counselors, that they still view it as being a, a form of weakness. You know, you, you have a very emotional colonel on the phone right now. Most soldiers, service members, veterans that I know are incredibly passionate people, and they are likewise very emotional when it comes to talking about their children, talking about their past. Yes. They, they don't really like to do that, and it's a difficult thing for them to come in and, and bear themselves to a counselor, to people that, you know, that can help them. So to continue to work toward a culture that encourages our, our, our soldiers and our, and our, and our leaders um, to, from an ide- ideology of strength, to be a strong enough person to say, I'm not doing well, I need to go and speak to somebody about this to solve this problem early, not when we have addiction issues, uh, family fractures, all these sort of, mm-hmm. sort of secondary effects that come in with people who don't seek that treatment, high-risk behavior, and, and generally poor health. There's nothing you know, less tragic about a person who, who ruins his or her life over the course of 20 years versus a single desperate act. So, so mm-hmm. acting early and getting the treatment that you need, almost from a preventive health perspective, is a very important thing to do as a first step. 
And you had mentioned, Jack, that it was what, actually one person that led you to Gretchen. There were lots of resources out there, but there was a uh, battle buddy, the running buddy that you had yeah. that, was, that said something that resonated for you. So it really is uh, almost one person that may lead you to it. And, a per- and we never know who that person's going to be and what they're co- how they can connect us onward to those better resources That's earlier on. That's true. And, and again, the theme of self-responsibility. Uh, my, my friend was really good about saying, Jack, you really need to go do this. Um, and there's a lot of resources available out there. You know, our, our, our enlisted our soldiers out there, out there right now, have no excuses not going out and finding the help that they need because it's, it's abundant. So, but again, the bridge to that help has to be overcome in terms of reducing what is a national stigma against behavioral health. Already in this in this Washington D.C. shooting, you've got all these peripheral issues being raised almost a, a mm-hmm. resistance to discussing whether it was a mental illness issue or not. Does that's a distant afterthought to most of the conversation that you see in the media already just a day later. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And and that reminds me that the, one of the uh, groups or, or the many people that get forgotten in this are the innocent bystanders, you know, just people that were respo- the first responders, the right. peripheral people that just witnessed this happening. You know, those that were in the immediate event might get support, but there are so many more in that community. You know, and suicide prevention is a community business. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you to touch on, Jack, because I'm curious from your perspective as an officer – we have the services now that are growing. We have moved from a culture that doesn't necessarily embrace mental health to encouraging service members and family members to reach out. Once the, Now the services are established, and my concern, and I think you share this with me, is that they stay in place. And so often, as, as you know and I know, as we've moved through work with the Department of Defense, we see services come and we see services go. And my greatest fear is that we're encouraging, trying to break the stigma, stigma get people to reach out out, then we get them to trust the Gretchens, and then the services are reduced because of the, the financial issues, which I'm also a realist and I know exist. Mm-hmm. Do you have it, a, can you give any thought to that? Uh, yeah, I, I can, and um, you know, uh, the, the, the military is looking very, very hard at efficiencies right now, and, and making sure that, that, that we're good stewards of the taxpayers' um, faith in us, and in providing defense for the nation. And um, I, I think that the issues that we have with behavioral health need to be examined not only from the humanitarian aspect, but as a readiness issue. Our senior mm-hmm. leaders need to continue to look at um, how ready our forces when we're, when we're addressing many, many issues such as these and look at it from a practical standpoint the same way we do with dental care, the same way we do with uh, dealing with obesity, the same way we do all these other physical issues and in, in, in looking at them from a psychological perspective as well, from a, from a perspective of readiness and making sure that soldiers are ready to go fight and win their nation's wars, both in terms of their behavioral health and their physical uh, mm-hmm. ability as well. Well, we only have about uh, just under two minutes left, and I would like to thank Colonel Jack Moser and Dr. Mary Bartlett for being with us today. Colonel, what would you like to share with our listeners before we close? I would just like to remind them that it is their personal responsibility to take charge of their lives, reach out uh, to others as well as reaching to their own character, 
and uh, to remind them that they are precious, irreplaceable, and a national treasure for our country. We want to be the next greatest generation that our children can look up to the way that uh, generations have in the past, that we are the legacy of a great tradition of military service in this nation, and uh, we have to be a healthy force to be able to do that. Right. Mary, what would you like to say? I first want to say thanks to uh, Colonel Mosier for sharing his story and having really the courage. I, I hope that among the 20 million or more listeners that you have, that this story was heard and resonated for them. I also want to give thanks, if you will, not just to our service members and the families, but also to those that are serving them, the Gretchens in the world, who um, oftentimes don't receive a pat on the back. Many do, but I just want to acknowledge those that um, work in isolation and uh, move forward despite, you know, oftentimes low salaries. Um, that's just the nature of our business. Is why we have rental or, or yard sale furniture in our offices. Right. But, to also, <laughs> but also finally to um, mirror what Jack said, that we are all advocates. And please reach out and connect. Don't wait for someone to de- kind of demonstrate that they're in this world of disconnectedness and darkness. Reach right. out to them before that. Right. Linda? Mine is what it always is. There is always an answer. Um, And as Jack so well put it, um, suicide is a very permanent solution to what is a temporary problem. So when in doubt, reach out. And thank you so much for sharing your stories and your experiences and wisdom. It's invaluable. Thank you. Be sure to tune in. Yeah. Be sure to tune in next week for another live update on the Veteran Trek uh, 2700 mile walk on PTS uh, D and the Veteran Suicide Awareness. For sponsorship information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. And remember, if you miss the live show, all our shows are archived on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. All the shows can be heard on any mobile device. And we're also syndicated on iTunes. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater, signing off. And thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and have a terrific week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation. Thanks to you, we're living free. We're a quilt of many colors and we breathe red, white, and blue. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.